You are listening to sermon audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net. It's been a week, hasn't it? And I would be, yeah, I'd just be remiss to not speak to that a little bit. Uh, Our elder leadership and I talked about this last night. If things were in the timing of things a little different, I would probably be placing this sermon aside and preaching a sermon that speaks directly to what's going on in our our culture right now because it's significant, isn't it? It's like you get up every day and the news cycle, you're just kind of like, holy cow, seriously, this is what's going on and this is what's happening. But I was also reminded in my conversation with our leadership that we do have some resources that I want to point you towards as well as some resources that are going to be coming your way. And uh, I like this sermon today far better than a sermon you would have got on like four hours of preparation and a lot of coffee last night. So we'll stick with this one. But um, a couple things for you. Um, If you're new to Grace in the last five, six years or so, we did a series about five, six years ago called Generous Justice. And I strongly encourage you to go and listen to that because we speak into the issues of immigration and the poor and protest and justice issues and really try to look at that through the grid of scripture. How do we respond in the day and age that we're living in? Well, we've spoken to that in the past, but I'm also pleased to tell you we're speaking to this in the very near future. We're in the middle of a series on serving out of 1 Peter right now, but end of February, we're gonna be starting our Daniel series, and I'm excited for that on a lot of levels. Number one, I've never preached through Daniel. Number two, it's been a lot of years since we've done a Daniel series here at Grace. And number three, Daniel really at its heart is all about a people, God's people, who are living in exile. They are this subculture of of God worshipers, Yahweh worshipers dropped in the middle of this culture that's quite hostile and opposed to, to, to who they are and what they believe. And it's, man, is it ever timely for us to be going there? Because if there was ever a time and a season for us to live distinctly as Jesus followers, it's now. This is, this is our hour. Every day is our hour. But this is our hour, and we want to be wise and godly and biblical in how we live our lives. And so we're gonna be speaking to a lot of things that you're seeing in the news cycle every day in just a number of weeks. And, and really, what we're gonna be covering today in no small part speaks to what's going on in our world around us because the word of God is like that. It's practical, it's applicable, it's always relevant. And so I'm very excited about where we're gonna go this morning and what we're gonna talk about. So that being said, would you just pray with me one more time and then we'll, we'll be off to the races here. God, I am excited to proclaim your word this morning and to learn together with your body about what it means to trust and follow you in our relationships, especially in marriage. God, thank you for the truth and potency, effectiveness, impact of your word. And I pray for each person here that they would be challenged, they would be encouraged, and that they would be called to repentance because living for you is a constant process of reorienting and realigning our heart with yours. So would you show us where we need to do that and give us the power to do that and then bless us as a result because that's what you promised to do. When we live life your way, your terms, 
You promise blessing, and that's what we want. And so we ask for that in Jesus' name, amen. So crew, here we go. A little prep before we dive into this passage this morning out of 1 Peter. Uh, number one, what you're gonna hear today is countercultural. Our culture does not understand a lot of what we're gonna talk about today. Because in a culture that is preoccupied with self, serving is not a real high priority. So our culture will misunderstand this, misapply some of the things we're gonna talk about this morning, criticize it, and even openly ridicule it. In fact, I was appalled, not surprised, but appalled about a week and a half ago when I read in USA Today an article talking about some of the very godly qualities that we're gonna look at this morning in the heart of Jesus followers and calling it benevolent sexism. Really? Isn't that interesting? But that's how our culture rolls. Our culture does not understand serving other people. Serving a wife, serving a husband, serving the people in your life, even serving people you don't have a relationship with. And yet it is one of the most distinct ways that we are called to live out our relationship with Jesus. This should be a defining characteristic of us. Last week, ah, a week and a half ago, Something happened that hasn't happened before to my wife and me. We are part of a group exercise class at our gym. I believe group suffering is far better than individual suffering. <laughs> Something about that. And so because of our schedules, we usually arrive at this class at different times. And so just the way Jamie and I roll is when one of us gets there ahead of the other, the other person serves the other by setting everything up. Because in this exercise class, you have to get on a platform, risers, free weights, um, a weight bar, a, padded, a, a pad for the weight bar, a mat for the bench. I mean, there's, just, there's a lot of stuff to pull together and put together. And whoever gets there first does it not just for themselves, but for the other person. Within the span of a week and a half, Two women who, unrelated, don't know each other in this class, came to my wife as she was setting up one day for me and said, you know what? We can tell that you and your husband really love each other. You love each other by how you treat each other. But I thought, oh, I do. I do love my wife and she is very loving to me, but all we did was we set each other's steps up I mean, we're affectionate in other things, but, but primarily what we're doing is serving each other. And, and these ladies recognized that as an act of love, but weren't quite sure what to do with it. Because there are other couples in the class, and they don't do that for each other, which is really interesting to me. But that, you know, you're just kind of on your own. But the, why is that so distinct? Because serving even in a little thing like that, is distinct in this culture. And I have great news for you. This can be learned. Everything we're gonna look at today, you may have no frame of reference for, a bad example for, or even a good reference for, and there's hope for you and for me. As a Christian man, I had no idea what it was to love Jesus and to love my wife coming from a family that was non-Christian. I had no example for what we're gonna talk about today. Many of you are in the same reference. Many of you have never seen a godly Christian marriage actually work. And I, I get that. But 
what we're gonna look at today can be learned. And right out of the gate, I wanna give you some resources that we have here at Grace. We have an incredible marriage mentoring ministry. These are couples who love each other, serve one another. Are they perfect? No, none of us are. But they have availed themselves for some very specific intentional training and they avail themselves to come alongside other couples to help and to mentor. And I strongly encourage you to consider taking advantage of that. We have individual mentors here. So you don't know, husbands, how to be a godly husband. We have godly men who would love to mentor you in that. Ladies, you don't know how to be a godly wife. We have godly women who would love to help you learn how to do that. We have a class that meets on Wednesday nights with our journey program that just started this last Wednesday. There's plenty of room for you to jump in this week. It's not too late, but it's called I Love You More, and it is a marriage class that will put tools in your tool belt to help grow and develop your marriage in Christ, and on the list goes. But all these resources can be accessed through our website. So please don't hesitate to take advantage of those. Also, there is something for everyone in this passage we're gonna look at. Ladies, there are some of you as Christian wives, as wives who love Jesus, who are married to a man who does not. That is who this passage was originally written to. As we will read together, when Peter is writing this, he's writing to women who chose to follow Jesus, but their husbands still haven't yet or aren't ever going to. And he speaks directly to them. But also, what we're gonna cover here is applicable to every marriage, whether you're in that situation or not. And the rest of you are going, well, guess I get to check out, play some games on my phone, act like I'm listening, and it's all good. No, let me encourage you not to do that because if you are a single because you've never been married, you don't ever want to get married, you were widowed or you were divorced or you're, just, you're in a season where you're, you're not married, whatever the case may be, this passage will also speak to you because this is what it's gonna talk about to be a godly man, to be a godly woman, whether you're married or not. So, so please don't check out of this because there literally is something here for everyone and finally, I'm going to approach approach this pastorally versus really focused expositionally. And let me explain myself. Expositional study of the Bible means that we look at the passage and we also look at the verse and usually all of the verses. And that's how we very deliberately preach and teach here at Grace because we're equipping you to read the Bible for yourselves. That is always high on the agenda is to equip you to be able to be in God's word and and to understand it and absorb it and get closer to him as a result. However, I am deliberately choosing to make this sermon more pastoral. And by that, what I mean is there's a ton here in this passage. And I want to zero in very deliberately on some specific things that I think are very relevant for our culture, for the life of our church, and from what I hear from you in your marriages and relationships. For an expositional study of this passage, a much broader study of this passage that really covers everything, I wanna direct you back to our website because in 2009, we preached through this letter by 1 Peter and it was not a thematic study like we're doing now on serving. We preached the whole book and Gary Brashears preached this very passage I'm preaching today and it is an excellent expositional study of this passage. So if you want to cover some bases that we're not covering today in this passage, go back to our website and and listen to that, it is well worth your time. So, are you ready? Can we get to it? 
Let's, let's go after it. Here we go. This is 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Here we go. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, a couple things here. You probably notice there's a whole lot more written to wives than there is husbands in this passage, right? Why is that? Well, wives clearly need more work, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you did not hear from me because it is not true. Please do not stone me. Okay. It's because of context. Because again, as we read in those opening verses here, here we're godly Jesus-following ladies who now found themselves because they chose to follow Jesus in a marriage where the husband was not a believer. And in that culture, in first century culture, women did not have the, the value, the status, the independence, the, the, the freedom that they have today. They were in a very hard spot because in that culture, the husband determined what the family believed in. If this is what the husband believed, then the whole family chose to believe the same thing. So now you have a wife who is following this Jesus, and so how is she supposed to follow Jesus and honor her husband? And so he is going to go into great detail on what that looks like. It's not because, ladies, you need more work. Seriously? We're all in the same boat. And guys, he will speak to husbands, and we will unpack that together. But just to let you know right out of the gate, this is gonna be focused more on our ladies initially, okay? Because that's the flow of the passage. But here we go. I told you there's something for everyone in this passage, and here it is. We are all under authority and submit to authority, every single one of us. If you were with us last week, Sean Rowley, in the passage prior to this, preached a, a terrific sermon on this whole principle. Because if you go back to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13, Peter says... For the Lord's sake, submit to every authority. There is not a single person here who is not under authority. You may think you're not. Welcome to your own created reality. Enjoy it because it doesn't exist. All of us are under authority. He calls us to submit to governmental authority. Lots we could say about that and will down the road, what that does and doesn't look like. He calls us to submit to our employers for those of us who are employed and have someone over us, which Sean really went into last week, and now he's shifting gears and saying, okay, now we're gonna look at a relationship between a husband and wife, and yes, ladies, there is a special submission authority relationship that you are in if you are in a 
marriage, and in particular, a Christian marriage. So he says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. How do you feel about that word, wives? Ladies? Well, what is it? What is submission? That is where we need to start. How do you define that? Well, Webster's helps us out. It says, okay, wives are to be submissive to their husbands. Here it is. The condition of being submissive, humble, or compliant. Is that what's being talked about here? Is that biblical submission? And the answer is no. That is not what the Bible means when it's talking about biblical submission. Husbands to wives, employees to employers, people being governed to their government, not what it's talking about at all. Because submission is more than compliance. Let me give you an example to, to, to make the point. This probably never happened in your home, but let's say it did. Little Johnny, one of your kids, grandkids, or maybe you as a kid, is told to sit in the chair. Johnny says no. You tell Johnny, if you want to continue living, you sit, no. Johnny sit in the chair. No. Okay, Johnny finally sits in the chair. But in his heart, he is not sitting, he is standing. Is he being submissive? No. He's being compliant. You got the behavior you were looking for, but you did not get his heart. Biblical submission not just wants your behavior. Biblical submission really is an issue of the heart. If you are truly in submission, it's not just about what you do. It is about your attitudes. It's about your values. It's about your motives. And the submission being talked about here between husbands and wives is a willing, voluntarily submission. It is a submission that cannot be demanded. It is a submission that is given. And who is our example of this? If we really want to define submission, if you really want to know how to live your life, who is your example? Jesus. So what is Jesus' example of submission? Here is a perfect example of it to the Father. This is the last night of Jesus' life. He's about to go to the cross. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. Those of you who were with us when we were going through the Gospel of Mark just a couple months ago, we came to this passage, and this is what it says to remind you. And going a little farther, he, Jesus, fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. What was he doing there? He was giving the Father his feelings. This is how I feel. He gave him his desires. This is what I want. He asked for what he wanted. Father, if there is another way. But ultimately, he gave the Father his trust. This, my friends, is the example of biblical submission. Wives, this is what God's word is calling you to give to your husband. So what does that look like? Well, 
a reasonable way we could define this, and this is in your sermon notes, and by the way, this and the chart I'm about to show you, I stole with permission from Gary Brashears from his sermon that's uploaded on our website. But to yield oneself voluntarily to the leadership of another is how you can define submission between wives and husbands. It results from personal or relational respect and is expressed by deferring to another's judgment, opinion, or decision. We submit right up to the point where obedience would require that we would disobey God. Let's talk about what this is and what it isn't, what it's not. It's not spinelessness. Practically speaking, it does not mean the husband makes all the decisions in the home. What it is, is it is supportive. It's not critical, it's teachable. It is not selfish, but giving. It is not silent compliance, and submission often gets misunderstood and reduced to that. It is not about being passive. It's not about being a doormat. Quite the opposite. It is about being actively involved and actually comes from a position of strength. It's not about demanding your rights. It's about willing to be led, and once again, it is voluntary. And there are some of you who have been exposed to teaching about this that just quite honestly, is not biblical. There are times women who are in abusive relationships are told, you just need to submit to your husband. Folks, that is not what this is talking about, and that is not what submission is. Physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, verbal abuse is abuse, and it's wrong. And you should not submit to it. You need to get out of that situation and get help and get resources. That is not what this is talking about but sometimes it gets applied that way or gets articulated that way, and that's not what this is saying. So what does the character, what does the heart of a wife who is in submission to her husband look like? That is a great question. Glad you asked it. Peter goes on to answer it. He says in the same way, and then goes on, your beauty should not come from outward Adornment. Once again, what is this not saying and then what is, what is it saying? It is not saying that this is a prohibition against pedicures. It's not saying that. It's not saying you can't do your hair. This is about your heart. This isn't saying you can't wear jewelry. This is about Jesus. Okay, enough comparisons, right? What is it saying? Well, in our culture... Our culture says beauty is skin deep. And our culture spends $3.59 billion every year, ladies and dudes, but primarily ladies, telling you what beauty is. So do your very best to look as young as possible for as long as possible, but unfortunately, at the end of the day, beauty is fleeting. Beauty is only skin deep. That is wrong and not true. And ladies, don't you buy into that. Because the beauty that's being talked about here is a beauty that you, as a Jesus-following wife, have. In fact, you are the only woman in the world, Jesus-following women, who have this kind of beauty. Why? Because of Christ in you. And as a Christian guy, this beauty is unbelievable. It's wonderful. I saw it when I was a 16-year-old high school student, a junior in high school. There was this 16-year-old girl in my biology class who had this beauty. 
She went to my church. I knew her somewhat, but I really got to know her, and I'm really glad I did, I did because she was beautiful, not just on the outside, but on the inside. She had a beauty I had never seen before. I had just come to Christ the year earlier and had never looked at a girl that way and thought, there, there is something that, I better not let this one get away, and I didn't. She was my high school girlfriend, my college girlfriend. She's my wife now of 25 years. That was Jamie. When Jamie was 16 years old, she had a gentle and quiet spirit. This does not depend on age. This is about Christ in you, ladies, about Jesus. And it is a beauty that will never fade away. It only grows. It only deepens. And it comes from a gentle and quiet spirit. That word for inner self, by the way, in the original language is the hidden person of the heart. Ladies, who is the hidden person of the heart in you? So what does it mean to be gentle? Well, this word is used only four times in the New Testament. It's used here. It's used in Matthew 5 where it says, blessed are the gentle. And it's used twice of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. Remember we said earlier that submission is always from a position of strength? Gentleness is always from a position of strength. Do not make the mistake of hearing blessed are the gentle or in other translations blessed are the meek and hearing that, that as blessed are the weak. And that's often what that gets diluted to, and that's absolutely categorically not true. Gentleness always comes from a position of strength. By way of example, was Jesus a wimp? Was Jesus a doormat? Was Jesus passive? Was Jesus weak? No. But even more so. Let's apply this to daily life. I had a wife come up to me after the first hour and asked me, so what does this look like in my marriage? How is gentleness strength? I said, okay, let's, you'll answer this. Let me just give you a scenario. So you're angry with your husband. Does it take more strength to yell at him, belittle him, demean him, manipulate him, devalue him, or does it take more strength to hold your tongue, take a walk, take a moment, collect yourself, and then assertively, appropriately ask for what you want without taking him down in the process. You tell me which one's easier to do. She said, oh, to let him have it. <laughs> You're right. What takes the greatest strength? To be gentle. Gentleness always comes from a position of strength. It's counterintuitive. But, but that's the deal. So what does this look like? Well, I think of my wife. My wife has a gentle and quiet spirit. She has discipled our daughters to have a gentle and quiet spirit. What does that look like? My wife is assertive. She asks for what she wants. She does it appropriately, but she asks for what she wants. She has opinions. I hear them. I have opinions. She hears them. She asks mine. I ask hers. There is a give and take there. She is discerning. She is wise. Let me tell you what she's not. She's not manipulative. She's not coercive. When we disagree, we disagree agreeably. Nah, most of the time. Most of the time. She apologizes when she needs to. All those are examples of what a gentle and quiet spirit is about. 
Does that sound weak? Does that sound passive? Does that sound like a doormat? You haven't been listening if it does. Gentleness always comes from a position of strength. If that wasn't enough, Peter goes on to say, in this way. In what way? He's going to tell us. In this way, wives submit to their husbands. They put their hope in God. And yes, they do submit themselves to their husbands. They choose to. They do what is right. They do not fear because their hope is in God. Ladies, I'm generalizing, but largely this is true. You are hardwired for relationship. Your relationships are profoundly important to you because you've been hardwired, hardwired and created by God to be that way. Guys too, but especially you as ladies. And sometimes, ladies, you can put your hope in your relationships more than it should be. You can put your hope in your husband more than it should be. Or you can source your hope, say if your marriage is struggling and not good, you can source your hope in friends or in other relationships. And this is a reminder, really to all of us, but the context is to you, wives, to put your hope in God. He is the only one who will never disappoint you. He is the only one who will never... um, Let me put it positively. He is the one who is your foundation, who's not gonna change, who's never gonna leave you, who is always trustworthy, who always has your best interests in mind. And if you will do that, you won't look for things from your husband that can only come from God. Did you hear that? Put your hope in God and therefore you won't look for things from your husband or the other relationships in your life that they can never deliver for you. Same is true for you guys. Put your hope in God so you don't look to other relationships or other things to deliver what they can never give you. Do you see how counterculture this is? But if we will trust and believe God, this is the path to fulfillment ironically, is to serve one another and and to love another. So there's a part I didn't highlight in there that I know some of you saw went, what's that about? She obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. Husbands, how does that work for you if your wife were to call you Lord? It's awesome. It's awesome. Dude, where do I sign up for that? And all the ladies are sitting there thinking, over my dead body. You keep waiting there, sport. Ain't happening. But there is a principle that's taught throughout Scripture as God's Word is being leveraged and spoken to in the culture of the time, to the relationships of the time. Whenever possible, we accommodate culture as long as it doesn't compromise truth. In in Abraham and Sarah's day, it was culturally appropriate for her to call her husband Lord. Appropriate in our culture? Uh, yeah, I don't think so. No, yeah, no. That's not where, where we are. So ladies, you can breathe a sigh of relief. But you understand the line here that Peter's walking as he speaks into these relationships, which now brings us to the guys. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. Treat them with respect as heirs of the gracious gift of life, so nothing will hinder your prayers. There is a lot here. We could have spent our whole time just on on these verses right here, or this verse, rather. 
What does it mean to be considerate of your wife? In other translations, you may have heard it this way, live in an understanding way. They're both good translations of what's being said here. Be considerate. Live in an understanding way. Okay, how do you do that? How do you live in an understanding way with your wives, husbands? Well, do you value her? Do you know her? Are you a student of her? Do you meet her needs? Oh, here's one. Do you listen to her? Not hear her, but listen to her. Husbands, if you have not learned the difference between the two, you will. That time is coming for you. Because there's a difference between hearing someone and listening to them, is there not? I'm sure this doesn't happen in your home, but how often do husbands, your wives, talk with you, share something with you, tell you about something, and on down the road, like 10 minutes later, they ask you about it and you go, we talked about that? Or we said we were going to do that? Or you said that? Or I have this, this is my favorite, I have this great idea, honey, and your wife just said that 10 minutes ago, but now it's your idea, right? Now I'm sure that doesn't happen in your home. You get the point here, right? Live considerately with your wife. Respect her. In my home, one of the battlegrounds for me as a husband is listening. Man, you wanna find out how poor of a listener you are, get married. Unbelievable. I am constantly in motion. It's not that I can't rest or relax. I can and I do do that. But when I'm home, there's just always stuff to do. I mean, life's busy. Life's full. This needs to be fixed. That needs to be repaired. I need to do this. I need to do that. So I'm always doing something. And there will be times Jamie's talking to me and I walk away from her. Not to be rude necessarily, mind you, I'm being productive. But I'll be doing something while she's talking to me. Because I'm, you know, trying to be a multitasker. I'm a terrible multitasker when it comes to that. But I think I'm multitasking. She's talking to me. I'm missing details. I'm, I'm, and there are times when I just have completely lost perspective. And, and she's talking to me and, you know, there's a break in the conversation and I'm gone. Now let me ask you, wives, and please don't answer this. I know the answer, but would you feel respected by that? Does that express value for a husband to treat his wife that way? No, not at all. And I thank God for my patient wife who extends me grace and, you know, I'm, I'm growing and working on that. But we all have our, our battlegrounds, do we not? Where we need the Spirit to move and we also need to make choices that that honor the Lord but here comes the hard part and I think this is at the heart of what he's talking about really husbands since you're the spiritual leaders of your family we'll start with you how do you live in an understanding way with someone who does not understand you or to put it another way, how do you show consideration to someone who is not considerate of you? Or how do you respect someone who does not treat you with respect? 
Wives, how do you submit to someone who doesn't deserve it? I mean, if we're really gonna get into the nitty gritty, how do you do this? Because in the best of marriages, wives, there will be times you don't feel like submitting to your husband. He doesn't deserve it. Husbands, you don't, deserve, you don't feel like treating your wife with consideration or respect because she's not treating you that way. So, so how do you do this? You live the gospel. Do we serve other people because they deserve it? Is that our motivation? Wives, do you submit to your husbands because they've earned it? Is that your motivation? Husbands, do you live in consideration of your wives? Do you respect her because she treats you the same way? She's earned it? Is that why we do that? The gospel is always a response to what Jesus has done for you and for me. That's what this whole empowerment of the Holy Spirit is all about. The hope here, the reality here, the truth here is that you can live this out in the most difficult of marriages and circumstances. Because at the end of the day, none of us deserve to be treated this way. But Jesus treats us this way. So you were deserving of his grace and mercy when he came to you. So you've always had your act together you always do everything the way God would want you to Of course not. Every single one of us start out in the same place. We're all broken, and yet God loves us. God comes to us. God loves us when we act unlovable, and on the story goes. Folks, this is not about how your spouse treats you. This is about how you love and serve your spouse because of how Jesus has loved and served you. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. I am crucified in Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And so the life I live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You can do this. You can. You really can. Is it hard? Yeah, did Jesus say that following him was gonna be easy? Please show me that verse in the Bible. Because all the ones I see say, you will suffer, you will struggle, it'll be hard, and I will be right there with you to the very end of the age, empowering you to live the life I call you to. And if you will practice this, if I will live this out, do you know what God promises you that he will bless you? This is the path to blessing. What kind of a deal is that? A God 
who calls us and shows us how to live a blessed life, gives us the power to live that life, and then rewards us for living the life he gave us the power to do. You will not find a deal like that anywhere. That's a God deal. That's grace, that's mercy, and that's reality if we will follow and trust him. So I have some homework for you. And husbands, we'll start with you. Today, sometime this week, we're making a deal here. We're shaking hands, because I'm gonna do it too. Go to your wife and ask her how you can show her more consideration, how you can live with her in a more understanding way, how you can respect her. Wives, today, sometime this week, go to your husband and ask him, how can I choose to submit to you more fully? All of us, married or not, single, student, all of you, how can you submit to Christ's authority in your life with the authorities that have been placed in your life? Your boss, the government, the other authorities in your life. What does it look like? What does it really mean to submit? to them and to show honor to them. Because at the end of the day, folks, this is what it means to live distinctly as a Jesus follower, to serve others, whether they deserve it or not. This, this is the bottom line. Will you serve in love the way Jesus has served in love? Because if you will, people like two ladies in an exercise class will notice And they will see that in your life. And they will come to you, hopefully, and ask you, what's that about? You're different. Or what? I, I noticed that. It's Jesus. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You can do this. And you will be blessed if you do. Let me pray God's blessing over you. I thank you, Lord, for every person here. And I ask that you will give them the courage to trust you, as they apply the truths of your word to their life today, there are so many different situations and circumstances represented in this room today. I don't even pretend to know what each person is thinking through and is up against and where they're at, but Lord, you do. And so I ask for a demonstration of your spirit's power in each person's life here that they will take you at your word, trust you, believe you, and then receive the blessings of following you even when it's hard, because you're good and you are trustworthy and you are faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net.